you know, if the green stuff was to die, the earth would die. And if the birds, the feathered children, and the four-legged children of the forest were to die, the earth will die. And if the creepy crawlers and the water children of the great oceans were to die, the earth would die. If humanity was to die, the earth would flourish. Hello there, I'm Graham Gardner, and you're listening to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 38 from the British Society of Dowsers. Well, I'm a little later than planned getting this episode out. As you know, if you listened to the last podcast, I was in Canada for the entire month of May, and ever since I got back, I've been absolutely snowed under with work, so it's been difficult to uh, find the time to put an episode together. I had an absolutely great time in Canada, speaking to both the Canadian Society of Questers and the Canadian Society of Dowsers. Met a lot of wonderful people, and Canada is a wonderful country, and uh, I really had a great time out there. And I've noticed that the podcast downloads in Canada have increased dramatically since my visit. So to all those new Canadian listeners who I met, it was lovely to meet you all, and this episode is especially for you. The Canadian Society of Dowsers Conference was opened with a ceremony by First Nations teacher, counsellor, shaman and storyteller Doug Gray, whose uh, native name is White Eagle. And Doug is a gentle and inspiring speaker, as you will hear, and he also gave a talk and ceremony the following day. Uh, now, ceremony doesn't translate terribly well into an audio podcast, so what I've done here is uh, edit out a lot of the ceremony stuff and combine both of those sessions into a kind of distilled essence of First Nations wisdom, if you will. So let me leave you in the wise and capable hands of White Eagle. Okay, thank you. I'm Doug Gray. My white name is Douglas. My native name is Wabski Negasi, uh, meaning White Eagle. And um, I come from the uh, shores of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, New Brunswick. My mother was a uh, Mi'kmaq from uh, Burn Church, and uh, if you want to uh, learn the history of its people, go on uh, Google and look up Canadian Holocaust, and there you'll see the, uh, the history of Canada's first people. And I'm here tonight um, because we all have had a mother, and sometimes our mothers are good, and sometimes they're not as good as they could be or should be. But what they did do was they gave us our journeys. And for that, we must honor them and always be thankful. So here tonight, I've set up a chair. It's an ancestral chair. And it's in honor of your uh, grandmothers, your mothers, and their mothers and their grandmothers. And if it were not for them, you you would not be here tonight. And so we honor them. And so we begin our day every day opening the door of the East. And by opening the door, we allow and invite the spirit world to come. Come and be part of us and join us in our journeys. And the journey is to observe. That's what we are doing here. As dowsers, we observe the energy of the earth. And through observing it, we become one with it. And we feel it, we sense it. And it becomes part of us. For because long before you were, were who you are tonight, you were the wind, you were the trees, you were the spirit. I recently did a ceremony in Florida where the oldest tree in North America had been destroyed by humans. And uh, it was 3,500 years old in Orlando. And people came from all over the world to see this tree. And you could actually walk inside and sit down inside the tree. And for 3,500 years, that tree stood. And it experienced lightning storms and experienced history. 
And then one night, uh, some young people that were doing drugs uh, went and they sat inside the tree and lit a fire. They didn't mean to burn the tree down, but they just lit a fire. And of course, the fire had no place to go but up into the tree. And so the tree caught in fire and it burned. And that night, uh, the tree was called a senator and it burned to the ground. And you know, it was that night that I was made aware that it wasn't, uh, so many people were saying, oh, I hope they really, really uh, seriously uh, deal harshly with these young people uh, that did this. Because what happened is, you see, it's so easy to point fingers and blame others. But in truth, we had to go and do a healing for the tree. So I went and made a circle at the tree site. And what we did was, we asked humans to come and join us. And there was a four-legged, there was a dog. And then uh, birds were flying over in a circle, calling, calling, as we were doing the ceremony. And so we had a, a cup and some water and a piece of bread. And uh, we gave that to each person to drink. And my teacher, my spirit teacher said, uh, do, do, do you not know me? Do not know who I am? I am the tree. You, you killed me. So we had to go to each person in the circle and say to them, who killed the tree? And each person had to say, I killed the tree. Because it was humans, not nature that killed the tree, humans. And as a human being, we are all interconnected and apart. So we all must take our responsibility and step forward and say, I killed the tree. So tonight, it's my privilege uh, as First Nations uh, shamanic teacher to, to be able to open our ceremony here and to share with you just a few little things that perhaps you might carry home with you and think about and ponder. And sometime when you're alone, you might think about it. That each one of us are interconnected. And as we, as one, grow together, we become one. We become the tree. We become the wind. We become one with nature. And we become uh, one with ourselves. My teacher said we spend three quarters of your life is spent avoiding yourself. Isn't that shocking? That we spend three quarters of our lives avoiding ourselves. People, when they retire, they go crazy. What am I going to do? What will I do? And the women are going crazy. What am I going to do when he's home? <laughs> he's coming home. What will I do? They'll drive me crazy. They'll move things all around. <laughs> and I'll have no peace. And so, you know, it's only in those latter years that we learn to not to avoid ourselves, but to see ourselves as we truly are and be at peace with ourselves. And so tonight we have here tobacco, because the tobacco in Native teachings is a very powerful, it's one of the four sacred herbs. Uh, sage, sweetgrass, cedar, and tobacco. And tobacco is for returning thanks to the earth. So whenever we prune a tree, whatever we do, we go out and we drop tobacco. Uh, two years ago, my wife and I traveled all over Asia, dropping tobacco. China, the killing fields of Vietnam, Tiananmen Square, the Forbidden City, the Great Wall, China, where so many people died building a wall. Isn't it strange? We build walls. And you can even see from the sky this wall that goes across throughout China. And you know, isn't it interesting? It took over 500 years to build that wall. And you know, all it took was one night to bribe the gatekeeper. Humanity is the weak link.
And my teachers have said, you know, if the green stuff was to die, the earth would die. And if the birds, the feathered children, and the four-legged children of the forest were to die, the earth will die. And if the creepy crawlers and the water children of the great oceans were to die, the earth would die. If humanity was to die, the earth would flourish. Huh. And if you don't believe it, go away from your house for three weeks and go back and see the grass if it's not been cut. It takes the earth very quickly to, to uh, begin to work. So I want everybody tonight to have a little tobacco. And what I want you to do is put it in your pocket. And I want you to find a place over the next few days when you're here to take that tobacco. If you want to take it home with you, take it home with you. If you want to go in your backyard or you want to take it somewhere special, just take it and drop it on the ground and just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the earth. Thank you to our ancestors. Our mothers, their mothers, and their mothers and their mothers. So now, what I'm going to say is what we do is we welcome you tonight to come on a journey. And we together will travel the ancient uh, tributaries. And we together will learn about each other. And we will grow to love each other unconditionally with all our flaws, with all our shortcomings, to love unconditionally. Uh, the Creator says nothing less, just be unconditional. And that's all the Creator expects from us. Hi, I'm Peter Knight, an author and sacred sites guide and a dowser, and you are listening to Adventures in Dowsing from the British Society of Dowsers. Now, before we get back to White Eagle, let me just take this opportunity to remind you once more about the BSD's annual conference at the Royal Agricultural College in Cirencester. It's from September the 21st to the 23rd, and it's set to be another spectacular display of the best dowsing talents in the land. Now, remember, you don't need to feel that you have to be a competent dowser to attend. In fact, you don't even have to be a BSD member. But you will leave filled with inspirational new ways of fine-tuning your dowsing and a whole lot of new friends. Full details can be found on our main website at britishdowsers.org. Look forward to seeing you there. And now, let's return to our session with White Eagle. And so, we're going to do a, a teaching circle this morning. And here it is, the Canadian Society of Dowsing, celebrating 25 years. That's, that's like, you know, just amazing when you think about it. 25 years. And even though we're babies, in some, in some places, uh, you know, in Canada, Canada is still very young. And so we look at uh, uh, the celebration and the circle, the teaching circle this morning. I'm going to take you on a journey. And I can only place my eagle feather down where it's not touching the ground. And I've told people if I drop a feather, or the feather was to be dropped, it would mean that we would have to do a 40-minute ceremony for the feather before we could pick it up. So because our time is limited, we don't want to drop the feather. <laughs> so I drop tobacco, but not the feather. Okay. So anyways, I extend to you, uh, my children, to come with me on a journey. And we will begin a journey this morning that will carry us through um, dark waters and <coughs> foreboding waters. And we will follow the river into peaceful waters and to find a tranquility. And so water takes on every form. So as we wade into the water, we say to you, come, and we will wade into the water together. And let the water take us to the place where we all begin, in the water of our mother's womb. 
And so many here are carrying things that they've carried all their lives because you were born in your mother's womb and you were born in her issues. And for a year you lived with her toxicities, her concerns, her issues. And throughout our lifetime we carry them. And you know, if one day we don't take control and say, this is not my issues, these are my mother's issues and her mother's issues. And I'm going to pull out that CD and put it in a brand new CD. And I'm going to make my own program, my own journey. And so that's what it's all about. Did you know that children that are born through C-section are different than children that are born through natural birth? Did you know that? In Native community, we're taught that if a child is taken from its mother before its time, uh, it misses something in the circuitry. And I believe that. I believe that makes sense to me. And so that child, somewhere along the way, the trauma that that child has experienced will surface. And my teacher says that the, the uh, secrets in the fathers are revealed in the children, in the sons. And so we will be hearing things today, little, little pieces of bread. And I want you to put them in your sacred pouch and keep them. And when you're alone, pull them out and look at them and think about them and see where they fit in your puzzle. We're all a puzzle and we all have pieces to the puzzle. And all together here, we're all pieces of a bigger puzzle. So we're all interconnecting and interconnected. So remember, when we arrived here on this sacred planet, everybody got their canoe. So everyone had a canoe. You have your canoe, and it will carry you through your journey. You know your canoe is your body. Uh, but we don't get a paddle. We only get paddles when we reach a time in our journey where we've gone through a series of events that bring us to the place in the headwaters where we are able to then teach the children. And as teachers, we are all teachers and students. Teacher, student, student, teacher. So this morning as I hold this paddle, I become teacher. Uh, the Haida Kwai people have given me my paddle to carry throughout the world and to encourage people to come on a journey and we together will forge the waters and they will take us to the place where we all began. The waters of our mother's womb. The waters of Mother Earth. And so it's only appropriate that on our birthdays we should always think of those that gave us our journey and simply say thank you to them and which because without them we would not be here nor would we be who we are. And some mothers are good mothers, some mothers are not good mothers. Uh, it doesn't mean because they're our mother that they're necessarily good mothers. But what we learn is what they did that was good. And of all the things that they didn't do that was maybe not good, what they did was they gave us our journeys. A friend of mine told me many years ago, Douglas, she said, you know, my mother had many children and she didn't need another mouth to feed. And you know, she said, I, I thank my God every day that she chose not to get rid of me, but she chose to carry me. And I thought in my, my time of silence, of the world is a better place today because of this little woman who went and changed the nation and she became known to the world as Mother Teresa, my friend. But you know, she said that my mother had not, her mother had no idea when she was giving birth to this little creature and one more mouth to feed and yet she had no idea that this 
would be a great teacher. And she would take love to different corners of the world. And so we have no idea of what we, what we bring into the world. And they have a choice, but they have the potential to be healers, to be teachers, and, you know, to be leaders. And so for that privilege, uh, this morning, uh, we honor our ancestors. And a chair has been placed here to honor the ancestors. We always, at every ceremony, take a chair, set it aside. Uh, some people call it the unseen guest. So, I mean, it's amazing to know that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So many that um, we have no idea who has come here to join us this morning. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Cochise, Tecumseh, and the great chiefs. So here we have the chair that honors our elders, that honors your grandmothers and their grandmothers. And so it's so important uh, for you to, to understand that uh, this here uh, is not just uh, nice to look at, but it serves, it's a very real purpose. Who is that? Oh, good for you. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yes. I asked him the other day and he had left it, his orometer. So I just want to show you now. Um, I'm going to ask where the ancestors are here in ceremony. They are here. We have ancestors in our midst. And for them, I'm asking everyone to place your hand on your hearts. Good. Make sure you get the right side. Yeah. Either that or you've had a heart transplant. Good, there we go. And with our hands on our hearts, we get in touch with ourselves. My teacher said we spend three quarters of our lives avoiding ourselves. And this is a time we get to touch base with ourselves and with who we are and who we came from. So in a moment of silence, please with me, uh, close your eyes, honor your ancestors who gave you your journeys. And in whatever language you'd like to say it, in native we say miigwech, meaning thank you from our hearts. And so I'm going to ask everyone with your hands on your heart in a moment of silence, just to say thank you. And what we will do together now is say in in the native language, Megwitch. 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 Thank you. So anyways, people wondering what was happening at the door, we cleansed the room. And uh, because uh, in ceremony there must always be a smudge. So we smudge the room either by intent or we lit a little bit of smoke this morning. And I don't think that uh, there any bells went off. Although I had to go and shut my car off because it was flashy. <laughs> so it's okay. And oftentimes it happens when we're, I laugh because when we were at uh, uh, ASD in, in the States, we did ceremony and came out in the parking lot. The car next to us started and I started running. And um, as it was running, we went in and a woman came over and said, oh, you know, you know what's going on. And I said, no, what's going on? And she said, oh, the energy from the ceremony. Uh, short-circuited the, um, the, the motor and so the car started up and then we had to uh, get in and press the button to stop it and uh, the lady that owned the car I thought maybe she hit the button by mistake and the next day I spoke with her and she said no no I was in Burlington Vermont so it was our ceremony and so that happens it short circuits uh, computers so many times you'll find that the energy will be so high that it will short-circuit the computers. So now what I'd like to do today, it's interesting because when we talk about dowsing and the many different ways, Pat was saying this morning, there's so, so many different uh, approaches and protocols. And so it is of life. 
different native communities that do things differently. And they have different colors for the sacred medicine wheel. But the ones we use, the red, white, black, and yellow, are the most common. And the red, white, black, and yellow represent the four races of people. So they are the four races of people. Then we become the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual realms. And they become the calendar of the day and the months of the year and of the seasons. So it's an ongoing, shifting uh, sacred medicine wheel. So now, in shamanic teachings, there must be laughter. So we must laugh and we must feel a tear in our eye and we must have a story. And as a storyteller in shamanic teachings, um, I'd like to share a story with you that, um, and of my stories that I've um, experienced in my lifetime. Um, you know, I go through my file to find what story. And uh, the story was one of a group of teachers. And I was invited to do a series of, of um, presentations to a group of teachers up in Barrie, Ontario. And anyways, I went there that evening and I met teachers. And teachers are, they're all different. Teachers, you have to be very careful. And some will be immediately critiquing your, your English or they'll be critiquing, you know, and it's so funny. But, you know, in Native community, we just, we just let it go. We don't, we, get to, we don't get hung up in words. We're more into hugs and uh, expression. So if someone uh, gives you a hug, that's good for a couple of days. That keeps you going. But if they say a word, I love you, it only keeps you going for a few hours. So I like hugs. And we're hugging people, my wife and I. And so um, I would be remiss at this point if I did not mention uh, my wife, who's right now looking at me like, <laughs> and uh, because she is uh, not just my soulmate, but she is, uh, we're part of each other. And along the journey somewhere, we became one. We became one girl. And uh, she was one wing, one town. And I became one wing and one town. And our lives together are transformed into oneness. And now, uh, going on uh, 50 years, our journey. It's been an amazing journey. And you know, even um, my wife um, celebrated 72 years on this star this week. And you know, the wonderful thing is, we're both in our 70s. And the wonderful thing is, we never felt 70. I mean, I can't believe it. Because I still feel like I'm in my 20s. And especially when I get behind the wheel of a car, my wife is saying, you're not 20, slow down. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I want you to honor all relationships uh, because they're so important to us. And the relationship you have with your mother, the relationship you've had with your father, with your brother, with your sister, whomever, your friend, your partner, <coughs> it's all important. And so we honor relationships this day. And so I shared this story with you. I was in Barrie. I was presenting to a group of teachers. And one teacher said, speaking about relationships, she said, well, I may as well start the, the ball rolling. And she said, uh, I'm in a long-term marriage relationship. And the last year it spiraled downward. And I just... I'm fearful where it's headed. And she said, is there anything you could, uh, as a healer, could you help my relationship? And my teacher said, uh, tell her to go and dig a can of earth and in her garden, and that will heal her. And I'm thinking, oh my God. I'm wondering in my head, I wonder if spirit teachers, do they have mental illnesses? <laughs> And are, is there a therapist for them that I could take my teacher to? And I, I didn't want to offend my teacher, but I'm thinking this. 
And then I'm thinking, oh my God. And I felt so embarrassed to, to say, go get a can of earth and dig some earth in your garden and that will heal your relationship. But I know being a student and teacher, I know now, never question, stay the messenger. Never become, uh, you know, uh, more than the messenger. And I thought, oh my goodness. So I gave word for word to that teacher. And I said, oh, you must go to your garden and dig a can of earth and that will heal your relationship. And I immediately looked over here to ask if there were other questions. And I could feel this person's eyes burning in the side of my head. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my goodness. And ego, ego, all about ego body. And I was in my ego body. Oh, I was so afraid I would insult someone or hurt someone. And you know, and that's what happens when we become ego body we become ineffective. We have to get out of our ego body. And finally, I just was able to let it go. And then that lady very graciously got up and quietly folded her papers and left. And then the ego body immediately steps in. She's Sioux Nation. She's Sioux Nation. She's going to sue me. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, I wonder if they can sue you for telling them to dig a can of earth. I don't think they can sue me. And I've got my ego body going on inside of me, my teacher and the three of us in there, and having this uh, confrontation and argument. And, and I'm sometimes in the middle, and I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God. So anyway, she left, and I thought, and then I sort of felt a relief as well because now I didn't feel this burning in my head. And so anyways, two days, oh no, it was about a week, week and a half later, the phone rings and it's the lady who had set up these presentations. And she said, oh, Waideko, she said, um, I'm just calling about um, uh, the other night. And I'm thinking, what other night? And she said, you know the woman? That and <laughs> I felt this uh, honesty about accent reflex, you know, coming up in my throat. And I'm thinking, oh, she is Sioux Nation. And I bring back to the ego, I'm going to get sued. Anyways, what happens is she said, that woman, you remember the woman that you said, and talking about eating crow, we call it eating crow in Native. And eating crow is having to eat your words. Ah, nothing like a good feed of crow to start the day. And I thought, oh my God, here it comes. And I'm saying, oh, oh, and I'm trying to be, oh, oh, yes, I, re I do remember. I do remember. And because when I'd gone out to my car that night with my little wagon to go home, I closed the door and I started driving down the highway and I'm in my car with the window down. And I, I, it's, I, Today they have phones that you don't have to, you know, have anything held to your hand or... And I'm driving along and I'm, I'm saying, and what was that about? Like, oh my God, like, what's happening? What was that about? Do you think it can of birth? Like, and I'm talking to my teacher and there's no response. So I'm driving along and I'm thinking, ooh, poop. There's nothing, there's no response here. That's not a good sign. Your teacher does not respond. There's something not right. And I thought, ooh, I better tone down, tone down, calm down, <laughs> calm down. So I'm driving along and I'm beginning now to feel guilty. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, teacher, I apologize for being rude. And I just didn't understand what the message was about. And see there, I was going back again for seconds. And I thought, oh, I was going to get smacked by my teacher again. <laughs> and I'm just saying, but I just didn't understand. And my teacher said, what's there to understand? I gave you a message. It's not for you to understand. It's for her to understand. And that was all I heard from my teacher for the next two days. Well, when the phone rings and this person says, 
this lady who you told about the digging the can of earth called me and she wanted your telephone number. And I said, did you give it to her? <laughs> and she said, well, no, I didn't. Well, and, and uh, she said, well, I didn't want to give it to her until I had first spoken to you about it. And she said, but, and then she said, it's not important that she get a hold of you. She said, but she shared with me something. And she wanted, for me, to pass it on to you. I thought, oh, here it comes. <laughs> like, you know, uh, here comes a, a lawsuit. <laughs> Anyways, she said, you know, she went home. And she was living in a house that was owned by her mother. She was an only child. And so she promised her mother uh, that when her mother's time to transcend would come, she would keep her in her home. And she would never put her into a nursing home. Because she was an only child, she had the time, and she would look after her. And she would honor her. And she said for several months her mother had been very ill. And her mother had this garden uh, out behind the house. And so she said, uh, what happened, her sister-in-law came into the house, that's her husband's sister, came into the house and said to her, listen, I want you uh, to take your purse, get in the car, and I don't want to see you until tonight. Just go wherever. I'll watch your mom. If there's any change, anything happens, I'll have the cell phone. I'll contact you immediately. But you get out of here now. You've been here day and night, day and night. You need a break. So she went. And she went out and came home that night and her sister on left. Um, and then what happened was... Um, about three hours after her sister-in-law left, her mother passed. And so she was with her mom when she passed. And her mother and her had planned what her mother would wear, and she had her clothes out and, and put out uh, in the closet for her, the dress she would wear, and everything else for her, for her wedding day, uh, when she would go to uh, be with her creator. And so anyways, uh, uh, she was getting her clothes out and getting her clothes all ready. And she said she went and sat on the side of the bed. And when she held her mother's hand, and she said she realized her diamond ring was not on her finger. Now the diamond ring uh, was a very, very expensive ring. And so, it had been in their family for a long time. So anyways, for a, a year or so after that, uh, life went on. And then she comes to this dowsing night. And uh, she's, her husband and her had having issues. And she says to, to me, these are dowsers, teachers. And anyways, uh, she said to me, I'm having problems, can you help my relationship? And my teacher said, tell her to get a can of earth from her garden. It will heal the relationship next. Just like that. Uh, healing is so amazing. It's like, next? And I'm thinking, but, but I can't tell her that. She's going to think I'm crazy. And so I did it, and you know what happened. Well, what I found out was... She went home that night. She was so upset and angry. She said she wasn't sure whether she had uh, to feel insulted or humiliated or what, but she was upset. And so the next morning she got up and she was, she went out, she sat in the kitchen. She said she was having a cigarette and she was blowing smoke in the air and looking out through the kitchen window at her mother's garden. And then she took the cigarette and she butted it in the ashtray and said, what the hell? <laughs> and she goes over to the garbage can and she reaches in the garbage can and pulls out a little soup can that had been used. And she goes with the soup spoon 
out to the garden mumbling. And she's looking around to see if anyone's looking like neighbors. And she gets out in the garden and she throws dirt as she's mumbling into the soup, soup can. And the last spoonful of earth that she threw into the can, a diamond ring, was in that earth. It was a mother's side. And what happened was the day that her sister-in-law had come, after she left, her mother died, she couldn't find the ring. She said to her husband, I don't know where her mother's ring is. And she said, it was on here. I, I put it on her this morning. And she said, I can't find it. And then she said, and there's only been you and your sister and myself. And he said, what are you saying? And she said, well, I'm not saying anything. And he said, oh, oh, yes, you are. You're saying that either my sister or I took the ring. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. He said, please, be honest and don't insult me. Uh, I'm so, I'm so shocked after how good my sister has been to you. That's when the relationship started to go down. And it got colder and colder. And they became strangers across the table staring at each other. And it became awkward to even look at the person for a few minutes for fear that that frozen feeling would pierce uh, their thoughts. And so when she found the ring, she sat down in the earth and it was like snow was just beginning to melt off the ground and she sat down on the ground in the mud and she just went and she got up took the soup can Campbell's soup it was <laughs> vegetable <laughs> and she took it into the house and she couldn't wait to for her husband to come home, she had to call and say, you're not going to believe what happened. And she said, I found Mother's ring. And he said, where? And she said, it was in the garden. And so he came right home. And she said, I phoned her sister. She's coming over. The sister had also not been welcome for a few months. So this had broken down as well. The ripple effect was reaching out now. And it was, the dis-ease was, was beginning to affect the family. And as it and rippled out, uh, so she said, I phoned your sister, she's coming over for the weekend. We're going shopping to Buffalo and you're going to house set. And his face just broke like the morning sun. And he said, really? And she said, and I told her, I was so sorry. He said, oh my God, you didn't tell her. She said, I told her I was sorry that I was acting like a stupid person. And forgive me. And I loved her very much. If she could only forgive me. And he looked at her and he said, big smile. And he said, welcome home, babe. <laughs> and their relationship was healed. She said, could you tell Waitiko? I don't need to call him, but can you tell him that my relationship is back on the rails? And so that I share with you. And just a diamond ring. And who would have ever believed with all the land? And she wasn't even a thousand, this woman. <laughs> and went out right to the spot and was mumbling as she stuck the spoon in the earth and the last spoonful, you see? And it took that many spoonfuls. I think sometimes the universe, uh, we have to trust. And do you know, there was something that made her go out to the garden and there was something that she honored. And for me, the huge lesson was for me coming home, not to question my teacher, and just be the messenger. 
And so I try now not to worry about what people, re how they react, or I just try to be honest and give the message. And uh, that's, all, that's all I have to do. That's all we have to do, is give the message. And I was talking with a lady the other day, and my teacher said, tell her to zip it. <laughs> and uh, this woman was like a control, she was president of the control club. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, she was telling me what I sh how she wanted the session. And I just said, my teacher told me to tell you to zip it. <laughs> and she was so shocked. She was absolutely shocked. And she sort of looked like a cosmic punch. She went back like that. Honest to God. And you know what? She said it was the best session she'd ever had. And I thought, thank you, God, thank you. Another woman came uh, for a session. And she said to me, all through the session, and uh, I've shared this before, she said, she was one of these people, I want to die, I want to die. And I kept looking across at her, I got so depressed. <laughs> Within minutes, I was so depressed. I could feel myself spiraling downward. And anything that I would say, I'd look over at her, and she said, oh, I just want to die. I want to die. And I thought, oh my God. Like, this woman is uh, manic or something. She's just like, critically depressed. So anyways, I said to her, well, obviously, there's nothing I can do for you. Remember we were talking, and we heard the speaker say last night, sometimes you have to just acknowledge you can't do anything for them, and acknowledge that, and, and let it go. And I said, I'm sorry that I've not been able to help you. But uh, obviously, you feel that you want to die. So we'll close now with prayer, and I'll pray that you'll be killed in the way home. <laughs> it was an OMG. An OMG moment. And yes, and she said, she went back in her chair from a cosmic punch, and suddenly said to me, what the hell kind of a healer are you? <laughs> like that. And she's staring with these eyes. And I'm back in my chair like, uh, I'm going to die. And it's at her hands. Anyway, she said, I have never in my life, I can't believe that you would. I, she said, please, like, please don't pray that I get killed on the way home. And I said, well, I'll pray that you die in your sleep. <laughs> she said, well, you know, kill me, kill me softly. Like. And she, she grabs her purse. She's going to the door and she turns around. And then uh, she was thinking of something. Out the door she goes, slams the door, and she takes about three steps, and then she's coming back. And I'm thinking, oh, God. Here we go. And the door opened up and she came over and she said, please, please. And she's beginning to stoop down and she said, please, please, please don't pray that I die. And I said, oh, you, you don't want to die. And she said, no, I, I, I don't really want to die. And I said, oh, thank you. And, and she went home, I never heard from her again, whether she died or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't pray. No, I didn't pray that she would die on the way home, but I hadn't heard from her again. But I think the lesson was she was healed. And she went to her car, and you know what? I believe that probably from that day forward, maybe she never said that again. So I believe she was truly healed. And I thought, thank you, teacher, thank you. <laughs> so here we are, uh, we share in stories. Stories that can uh, be interwoven into our lives and into our inner beings. And they're all connected to us some way or some, in some way. We've all had either a child, um, a sibling, or um, you know, a parent, uh, perhaps, um, or someone in the family where there's been issues. 
And you know, the ripple effect reaches out in that toxicity, and it continues to become more and more toxic until finally we let go. And that's what we have to do. It's in, in Paxit this morning. There came a point in her journey where she just became relaxed. Type A. Type A. Yeah, I like that. And she became a relaxed type A. She just let go. And you know the ego. And this is the lesson of the ego. Did you know the ego flies higher than any other creature? You knew that, didn't you? Did you know the eagle is the oldest living bird in the world? Did you know that? It lives to be over a hundred. And did you know that the eagle is the only creature that can fly and look right into the sun? And basically has its eyes, it sees far off and close up. It can see the mountains ten miles away and the salmon moving in the bottom of the riverbed. That's the gift that eagle has. But it is other gifts. It's very committed and loyal. Once a year, the eagles, when they, when they will, as mates, they will fly together and they will grasp each other's talons and they'll free fall down through the sky at great speeds. And just before they hit the water, they break free. It's just the most majestic thing in the world to see. And it's nature committing, recommitting itself to, to itself. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world to observe. And you know, when you see this, it just stirs the heart. When the ego reaches about 50-55, it reaches a point where its talons are no longer strong. And they're not able to pull a 70-pound salmon out of the Yukon River and take it back to its nest. Because if they're able to pull it out, they can't get the talons out. And so what will happen, the salmon will kill the eagle. Salmon, eagle kills salmon, salmon kills eagle. And what will happen is the talons are caught in the meat of the salmon and it will go down. And as soon as the salmon hits the water, it goes down and the eagle will hold its wings out and suddenly it disappears under the water. And its life is over. And it's given up its journey. And the lesson here is don't sink your fingers, your talons, into something that you can't let go of. Don't, don't sink and grow, hold on to something. Maybe bitterness, unforgiveness, until the point it's going to kill you. You know, it's said that we all have a song inside. Each one of us have a song to sing. And don't, don't leave this sacred star without having sung your song. So that's so important. So what the ego will do when it reaches about 50, 55 years of age, it will fly to a crevice up on the mountainside. And there, on the mountainside, it will, it will actually go through a transformation. When it lands on the side of the mountain, in this sort of a cleft, and it'll sit there and it'll pull out all its feathers, and then it will cut off its talons with its beak. And then it will take its beak and begin to hit and hit against the side of the rock until the beak breaks off. And it will be at the mercy of the elements for three months. And here the, the, the greatest predator of the sky becomes the prey to all things. Because there it will be totally vulnerable against everything. Do you know the most wonderful thing in the world will happen? Because after this is done, this creature called ego will grow in new feathers. And it will grow in new talents. And a new leaf. 
and it will leave the side of the mountain a brand new creature. Good for the next 50, 60 years. Free to take and snatch a wolf running at full pace or a salmon from the river bed. Only weighing 18 pounds will take a 70 pound salmon, a 100 pound wolf, a calf, and grab it in its talons and it'll fling it to its mate and it'll carry it back to the nest. So the eagle, when people say, well, what's so big about an eagle feather? Well, the next time someone says that to you, and they say, well, why are eagle feathers so, so important? You'll remember the story and the true story of the eagle's journey. And to know that we, spiritually, are likened to eagles. In, in the Bible, we're likened to eagles. And you know, it says that we reach a point in our journeys where we have to let go. We have to get rid of these worn out talents. And we have to, and we have to get rid of the beat and make a new song. And begin to sing a new song. And you know, it's becoming unconditional. The condition that the Creator checks on Remember that song, we just checked in to see what condition our condition is in. <laughs> well, that's what we're doing this morning. Just checking to see what condition our condition is in. Now, I know that um, we come here bruised. We come here tired and weary. Some come with feelings of having been disillusioned with life and situations along the way friends who have uh, perhaps, um, you know, just in one way or another have failed us or, or we failed them. And we find we're not happy with ourselves. And we're at that point in the journey where, you know, we're ready for the second phase. And so it's all about ridding ourselves of the talents that have become old and outmoded and they're no longer appropriate to who we are today. So we ask for new talents, that we might grasp the truth and inwardly digest the messages from the ancient ones, our ancestors, understanding that to everything there is a season. There is a time, a time for you to change, a time for you to go to and walk the land and douse the land. There's a time to be still. There's a time to speak out and a time to bite your tongue. Sip it. <laughs> That's what the creator said, sip it. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's not hard, isn't it? For us in our ego body, we're trying to... And it's learning to be quiet and to be still and to surrender. I think surrendering is one of the most difficult things in the world. And you know, when we're pushing on a door and someone's pushing on the other side and they're pushing, pushing, and they're more, they're stronger than you are. And finally, in desperation, you just uh, sort of fall down on the floor and you just can't do it anymore. This is the secret between power and force. This is the secret between the, the elementary stage of our journey and uh, flying into, um, into the, uh, the eldership. To become an elder so what I would like to do is close with a prayer, and I would ask that you open your hands and to you, my children, who have walked this land in spirit and in truth, and for you who will leave, all going in different directions, 
to confront our own issues. May each one of us receive the healing power of Creator. And I want you, for people here, as we hold our hands up to visualize an emerald light of healing cascading down from the higher octaves, and visualize it like a fountain flowing over you, over your head, over your shoulders, your shoulders that have become so tired of caring so much, and just being able to let go, and visualize that emerald light of healing as it enters all the cracks in our skeletal frame. Cracks are good. Cracks let the light shine in. So we want cracks because cracks mean that we're in the healing process. So it gives antiquity and it gives um, uh, warrant and praise to the, uh, to the creatures. So visualize the emerald light of healing flowing down through our bodies, through our intestines, our organs, out through your knees, the joints, the legs that have carried you, your friend, your canoe, who has taken you on a miraculous journey and visualize the emerald light of healing as it continues to pour down through and in, inside and outside your body, above, below, within, without, freeing all obstructions. Wherever there is an imbalance, bringing balance to our bodies and to our lives. And to you, Creator, who has given to us another day, another opportunity of being able to observe life upon the face of the sacred star, to you and our ancestors, we honor you, we thank you, and we praise you. Accept this our prayer of praise and thanksgiving. So now, what we have is the tobacco. We've, the door has been opened this morning to the door of the east. So we have called upon the ancestors to come, and their chair is here. And so we honor always the ceremony. We give a place to the ancestors. And we're using the eagle feather, okay? Because the eagle feather is the highest integrity. And the vibration of the eagle feather is higher than any other creature. And so we have opened the door to the east. We have welcomed the ancestors. And now what we do, because even time has come, and we must close the door of ceremony to the east. So now what I'm going to do is raise my hands high into the heavens. And what I'm going to create, if we were outdoors, I would be creating a vortex, and I would create in the air, in the sky, a vortex, a door. And what will happen outside, as this is being done in ceremony, many times at the ceremonies, eagles will come and fly into the vortex and fly and circle it, because they are following the vibration of my feather. And it's the feather that draws them, and the vibration of this noble creature. So what we have done now is we open the door to the east, we create a vortex, and we welcome and honor the grandmothers. And I want you to say with me, put your hand on your heart. Everyone put your hand on your heart. Good. And what we're going to do now, is I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Grandmothers of the North, Grandmothers of the North. We, honor you. we honor you. Grandmothers of the East, we honor you. Grandmothers of the South, we honor you. And Grandmothers of the West, we honor you. And together we say, Make witch, make witch, make witch, means thank you, thank you from our hearts. Make witch, think, make a wish, make a wish. That's how you remember, make a wish. 
And so we say thank you from our hearts. So remember, everyone take the tobacco with you. And I have tobacco here. And I will take, and symbolically what I'll do is I'll drop the tobacco on the ancestral chair, asking that those ancestors that have come to join us take their rest now in the West. And that the door of the East has been closed. And the spiral staircase is no longer open. They now will take their rest. And they will be in the presence of the great council of life. So to those ancestors who gave us our journeys, and without them we would not be here, we honor them. And together we say miigwetch. 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 Good. Um, are there any questions? Good. <laughs> and now together, lift your hands to the sky. Like solar dance. Energy. You feel the energy? Yeah. Awesome, eh? Yeah. Wow. Megwitch, indeed, Doug. Megwitch. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little Canadian odyssey with White Eagle, and we'll have more from Canada in future podcasts. But that's all we have time for today. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the Society, and to find out how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our main website at britishdowsers.org. If you have any comments about the show, send an email to podcast at britishdowsers.org. You can also check out our forum, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening, many thanks to Hilary Brooks and Not For Pussies for the music, and be sure to join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing. <laughs>